Today's episode of Locked On Blackhawks is brought to you by Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Make sure to go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON in all caps and you'll get 20% off your next Built Bar order. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, November 23rd, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also follow my Strictly Blackhawks account at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. If you like what you're hearing today, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out every day, so please be sure to go do that. Also, please go follow our Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good stuff being posted there every day as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you for tuning into today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. On the show today, I have quite the special guest, the former host of the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast and current co-host of the Madhouse and I'm Fat podcast, uh, 670 The Score's Blackhawks analyst and executive producer, Jay Zawoski. Jay, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for taking the time to join me. How's it going today? It's going great, Jack. Thanks for having me on. And uh, hello to everybody who listens to uh, Lockdown Blackhawks from when I was there. If you're new with with Jack, it's awesome to be back on, man. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. (laughs) It doesn't feel like it, but when you look at the calendar, it's like, damn. I hope it's been going well for you, Jack. I'm sure you've been doing a great job with it. I know I hear a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them. And you sound great. You're kicking ass. So thank you very much. Yeah, it's been an awesome experience so far. Definitely uh, a lot of fun, a bit of a challenge because I've really only had eight games in about seven months. Um, but and now yeah. we're in the thick of the off season, so I'm super excited once the season gets going to talk about some actual games. But definitely been a lot of fun. Uh, and actually, Jay, I just came home from being out of town for a couple of weeks. I just got in today. Uh, and right when I got back, what's waiting for me inside is no other than your book, The mm-hmm. Big 50, The Men in Moments That Made the Chicago Blackhawks. I haven't personally been able to dive into it yet. As I said, I just got home, but I'm definitely ex- uh, excited to do so. But first off, for those of our listeners who, who don't know, uh, you want to tell them a little bit uh, about the book and how all of that sort of got started and everything? Yeah, uh, thanks, Jack. The people from Triumph Books reached out to me in April of 2019 and said, hey, we've got this project. The Big 50 is a series. You know, there's a bunch of other ones about other teams. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I, I know that I'm capable of it. I also knew at the same time that I'm a big time procrastinator <laughs> and I've got a lot of things on the docket. Guilty. So I was a little bit, eh, like at first a little bit hesitant, but I said, screw it. You know what? I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to do something that I'll be able to be proud of for the rest of my life. So um, agreed to do that in April and then um, right away knocked out probably the first 10, 15 chapters pretty quick and then thought, well, that was easy. You know, I got those done in no time so I can sort of slow down my pace a little bit, not realizing that, of course, the first 15 you write are the ones you're the most passionate about and they're the ones that you could write probably off the top of your head. It's those ones you have to do the research on that take a long time. So really put it off until 
probably late October and the book was due in December <laughs> and it was just a grind, man. And I knew, I knew the end was going to be a grind. Everyone that's ever written a book has said that like, you're going to have a deadline. It's going to be tough for you to hit it. It's going to be the last few weeks will be stressful. And they were totally right. I just, I'm fortunate enough that having worked at the score for what I'm entering my 20th year now, uh, I get a lot of vacation time. So I basically stacked all my vacation time to the end of the year, there you took go. about two weeks off and then spent pretty much Monday through Friday, nine to five working on the book in my office. So, um, got done right before Christmas. And, uh, then it was just sort of out of my hands for a while. Then in September they said, okay, here's the, you know, here's the draft. Like, here's what it looks like. Want you to go through and edit it. Uh, we also had to change some stats after the playoff run, uh, you know, the, right. uh, the COVID playoff. So I had to mm -hmm. change some information. And then after that, I was sent to the printer and, uh, and here we are. So, it was a long process, you know, from April of 2019 to now, but man, the last few weeks since the book has come out have been an absolute whirlwind and a little different than I envisioned. You know, I thought I'd be out at bookstores doing signings and those sort of things, but uh, it's cool. Booksellers are getting creative. I did a virtual Q&A with Barber's Bookstores with the Athletics Adam Johns, who did the Bears version of the book, um, local bookstore by me, Bookies. I've been going in there and signing copies. I've already signed 100 and they've sold them all. So wow. it's going really, really well. It's kind of, uh, it's a little bit surreal. It doesn't really feel like a real thing, but there's my book with my words in it. Um, I think when I go into a store and actually see it on a shelf, it might feel a little different. Mm -hmm. you know, like if I see it at Target or I see it at Barnes and Noble or whatever, I just haven't had that organic go into a store and be like, wow, there's my book. Yeah. It hasn't happened yet, you know? Wow. But congrats on all the success you've had so far. Sounds like a really awesome experience. Uh, definitely wanted to ask 10 years ago in your career, you imagine yourself writing a book at all, or no, is this, this something, something you didn't really think much about? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I, I think I'm a, I'm a pretty good writer, but I don't love it. Um, because I, I have a, I have ADD, so it's, it's, it makes it tough for me to write and stay on track and stay focused. And people have asked me like, would you ever write another kind of a book, like a novel? I'm like, you know, that'd be really hard for me to be just staying on track and closing plot holes and things like that. But, you know, depending on how successful this is, and so far it seems like it's been pretty successful. I don't really have anything to measure it against. But I know a lot of people have ordered books directly from me. I know that the publisher is pretty happy with the sales. Your name's and, everywhere on Twitter. Yeah, so <laughs> it seems like it's going well. So who knows? In a couple of years, if something else comes up, maybe I could, I could do something. I've had thoughts of maybe collaborating with some other, like, longtime score producers and, and writing a, a book from that angle, like stories from – yeah behind the scenes sort of a thing but i don't know that's that's a ways away i'm, I'm still focused on promoting this one uh but who knows man who knows what the future holds that's crazy uh you want to let the listeners know where they could find the book if they're interested yeah i mean it's available anywhere you buy books it's uh obviously on amazon barnesandnoble.com all those places i do like to encourage people to if they are able to support local independent independent booksellers so if there's a little place by you it's, they're probably struggling right now, right? They're probably struggling right. to keep their doors open and to pay their employees. So if you have a place like that near you, uh, help them out. My favorite stores are Bookies. There's one in Homewood on Ridge Road. There's one in Beverly Mount Greenwood, about 104th and Western. Um, there's 57th Street Books in Hyde Park, which is uh, should be a destination for all Chicagoans at some point. That place is incredible. And uh, if you don't really have one near you, you can go to bookshop.org and that website distributes money to independent booksellers. So instead of going and paying, 
the Goliath, right? And just throwing mm-hmm. money on their pile. And look, I appreciate any sales I can get, but if you really can, if it's at all possible, it might cost you an extra buck or two of shipping or whatever, but knowing that it helps out a small business uh, is great. And if you'd like a signed personalized copy, I'm selling those uh, on my own. You can go to madhousepod.com slash book and fill out that form and I can ship you uh, a signed book with a personalization in there. So I give you the option on the website to what would you like Jay to write or who should I make it out to, whatever. Uh, and it's a lot of people have been buying it for Christmas gifts for Hawks fans in their lives. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So madhousepod.com slash book if you'd like a signed personalized copy. All right, before I continue my conversation with Jay, I need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Built Bar has a ton of awesome flavors like coconut almond, German chocolate cake, apple almond crisp, and right now, Built Bar is also currently offering a limited time release of their maple pecan flavor, which, just like the other flavors, is covered in 100% real chocolate and is soft, easy to chew, and great for the keto diet. Not only are all the bars low calorie and low sugar, but they are also a great source for protein and fiber. So make sure to go to BuiltBar.com today and use the promo code LOCKDOWN in all caps to get 20% off your first order. One more time, be sure to check out BuiltBar.com for a delicious and healthy snack option and use our promo code LOCKDOWN in all caps for 20% off your next Built Bar order. Jay, I also noticed that Dave Boland did the forward for the book. What was that experience like? Were you around Dave at all? Or what was just that experience yeah, so situation like? Right, I'm trying to think. Right about when the Hawks started getting good, uh, we started doing some bar events with Budweiser and Bud Light. They're called On the Glass. Uh, they were called Hockey Night in Chicago sometimes. It was the same event, but different names. Mm-hmm. And Dave is the guy I did the most of those with. So it would basically be a half hour Q&A and he would sign autographs for an hour, you know, depending on the size of the crowd. So I probably did about a dozen or so with him. And I was trying to think of like, all right, who'd be good to write the forward? Like, obviously my favorite Hawk ever was Jeremy Roenick, but he's got books out already, right? Eddie O mm-hmm. had just come out with a book when I was, when I was in the writing process. So I said, screw it. Who do I know the best of the dynasty teams? And the answer was Dave Bowen. So I reached out to him, totally happy to do it. And the way I did it was I just sort of recorded an interview with him and then piece together, okay. you know, a bit of a forward. I think that's how most authors do it um, when you're talking to an athlete or whatever. Mm-hmm. So recorded with him, asked him some questions. And of course, what was great about that was during the conversation, I got to ask him about some other stuff too. Right. The Vancouver <clears throat> rivalry. And, oh, yeah. You know, playing with Hosa and like little things like that that I knew I would use elsewhere in the book. So that was really cool. And he was super happy to do it. Uh, hopefully he's gotten his copy by now, but I know he just, I think he got married the day the book came out or the weekend oh. before the book came out. So I don't know if he's at, it's probably been a whirlwind for him, but I, I'm going to reach out to him and see if I can get him to jump on the Madhouse podcast. Oh, one I'm of these sure days. He, I'm sure he'd love to. He's always hopping on podcasts. He loves talking about the Canucks. He loves it. <laughs> I know he does. He's, I swear he's on so many podcasts talking about him. I see it on Twitter all the time. He seems well, like an awesome guy. He is. He's a great guy. And that's his claim to fame, right? It's just being a thorn oh, yeah. on the side for the, uh, for the Canucks. And, and, you know, obviously that series was a big part of the book. And I have a chapter called the depth of the dynasty where I sort of sing the praises of guys like Boland and those right. guys who maybe don't, not that he doesn't warrant his own chapter, but if I had to live in it to 50, mm-hmm. I've got to be, this team's been around for almost a hundred years. Right. You know, you got to get to everything. So he was definitely a big focus in the book and a big part of the book. 
Um, so yeah, rightfully I, so. I mean, he yeah. was a big part of that team. He was absolutely, and just sort of reliving the 17 seconds. Oh, I yeah. watched that highlight in the course of writing the book because you want to describe <laughs> it perfectly, right? You want to have, of course. I mean, it's the, the biggest moment in franchise history. Like, yeah, so you got to have that moment perfectly detailed. So I probably watched it you know, 50, 60 times on repeat. And it, it never, that I'll tell you, that will never get old. No, never. I, oh, I still remember my react. I actually went crazier when Bickle scored. I don't know why. Like I, I was like just stunned when Boland scored, but I remember just thinking like, wow, Boston really forced seven. Like at least we're heading back to the UC. But when Bickle scored, I was like freaking out. And then Boland scored. And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, it was wild. So I, I actually wrote about, the experience of me of when that happened, I was in a studio in Boston because we were there for the trip and I was going to oh, go wow. on the air on the score as soon as the game ended. So I'm literally in a radio studio with a window into another studio and I can see the guy on the other side of the glass. He's decked out and brewing stuff. Oh my. You know, and he knows why I'm there and we're, we're not really, we're not really engaging each other at all because he's working and I'm working but there was those sort of moments where they would score and I would catch them look, like Boston would score and I'd see him looking at me and, <laughs> score and I would look back and just to watch the, uh, the oh. change of emotion oh, man. when those two goals happened was pretty, it was pretty wild. Yeah, so I'm sure. that was, that was quite an experience, something I'll never forget. And just, you know, having the opportunity to be on the air on the score after all three cups is something you asked me if I'd ever imagine I write a book. No. Um, but in my wildest dreams, as a kid to have the opportunity, first of all, for the Hawks to win three Stanley right. Cups in my lifetime was unlikely, let alone for me to be on the air on the biggest sports station in town it's nuts. three times after it happened. It's just, it's, un, it's unreal. And sort of reflecting on those memories, you know, in the, in the moment you're so stressed out and you're so nervous about it. Uh, looking back on it, it's been really fun for me. And uh, I, I've been very blessed to have some of the experiences I've had in hockey and, and elsewhere uh, because of my job. Well, yeah, awesome. Sounds like you've had what every Blackhawks fan would love to have really. come come true, really. I mean, being on the air while the Blackhawks winning the cup. Awesome experiences all over the place for you, Jay Zawoski. Sounds, sounds pretty great. Um, but congrats on everything with the book. I'm glad that experience has gone well for you and you've had great success with it so far. Um, you ready to get into a little bit of Blackhawks news? Let's do it. Awesome. Um, First things first, got to ask, what's your opinion on the Blackhawks kind of taking a page out of the New York Rangers book and openly communicating with the fans what's going on with the organization and finally using the rebuild word for the first time? Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts on that and everything that's gone down? Well, as a person who analyzes the team, it's really helpful for, you know, for me mm, and definitely. for you to have that point of reference right where okay this is what you say you're going to do you're going to commit to developing your young players you're going to supplement the roster you have with guys who are established but in their early 20s or mid 20s where it's maybe it's not a it is a veteran guy but it's not someone who's 30 or 31 or 32 it's a guy with some good years left approaching their prime so when you get to bring and doc and and Boak was hitting their stride those guys are in their prime and you got a pretty good team again right i'm down with that I really am. It's fine. I'm glad they're, they're saying it. But here's what's, what's good about it for us and what's bad about it for them. And I said this to Stan Bowman when we had him on the Madhouse podcast. The Bulls famously told people they were going to get younger and more athletic. And then every move they made from then on was made through that lens. And a lot of those moves did not reflect what they said. 
And now with them being more open and more transparent, which is great. I love it. There's no downside to that for me, but now they need to know that every move they make is going to be viewed in the lens Mm -hmm. of how is this the rebuild? How is this, you know, making your, having your kids develop? How is this bringing in young veteran players? You know, you say this is your plan, but this move and this move and this move don't say so. Now they've created some accountability for themselves. What they had before was the air of mystery of, ooh, who's doing what? And what's the thought behind it? And one of the things I said about this offseason was, before they started talking, what's the plan? What is the plan? You're like Corey Crawford walk. You trade Brandon Saab, but you don't get any prospects back, right? And then you go sign... Yanmark and Walmart and you traded for Zadorov and, and fine, those guys are okay, but what is this accomplishing? Right? Why why didn't you get a draft pick first for Brandon Sod? And I still don't know. It was hard to justify, right? But and look, you might disagree with what Stan Bowman says, but he says, you know, a draft pick is still three or four years mm-hmm. away from being a, from helping us. We need help right now. And chances are the guy we draft might not be as good as Zadorov. So we traded for the player instead, a guy we've liked for a long time fine it's 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 logical it's reasonable i might not totally agree with it i may have rather seen a younger prospect for brandon sod but he's right in the fact that look they they need some guys that can play now i think zadorov will end up being one of their better defensemen and now i don't think that's high praise of him i think it's more (laughs) of a comment on the hawks defense but at least now we know okay here's what they were thinking when they made that move as opposed to what it seemed like at the time was, oh my God, Bowman just sort of panicked and made a deal for a guy that most people have never heard of who's fine, but you felt like you'd get a lot more for Brandon Saad. The other thing is, in, in the transparency, is you found out that there was not a huge market for Brandon Saad. And there's not a huge market for a lot of guys making a lot of money mm-hmm. because of the flat cap <laughs> and all those things. So, you know, the, the transparency for me is great. I just wonder if they're going to be pleased with the accountability they've created for themselves. I agree. I think it was the right decision because we were just kind of in this tough limbo for the last couple of years where I think we all knew. I mean, I stand deep down. I mean, Stan said he still thought going into this postseason we had a chance, but just looking at the roster on paper and how we played defensively, I think we all knew there was no chance of the Blackhawks going all the way and making a run for the Stanley Cup. Right. At the same time, we don't want to waste Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane while they're still you know, very valuable to this team and can produce. So we were in a tough spot. And I like that we, that Stan, not only did we just post on social media that we're going through this rebuild, that he got the opportunity to explain himself because I agree. It was, it was cool to hear him go in depth and tell the average fan why they made the move they Mm -hmm. did because not a lot of people understand that. Right. And it, it made a lot of sense. It made a lot more sense than it did at the time for sure. When he was able to come out and do that. Well, and here's the thing too. And, and I've sort of learned this working in media and, and you, I'm sure you have too. There's so much we don't know. And oh yeah, there's so much. And I, I sort of learned this by working at the score because there are some like Reddit pages and some websites that are about the score. And you read some of the things on there and you're like, wow, this stuff is so far-fetched and so out of left field. And the people there take it as fact, right? Like, right. this happened because of this. And it's just totally untrue. I had to sort of step back and say, wow, how often am I looking at something that I'm passionate about, be it the Blackhawks or the Cubs or whatever, 
And I've sort of drawn these conclusions on my own and over time to sort of convince myself that that's the reality. We know so little about the inner workings of the Blackhawks and the Cubs and whoever that a lot of times speculation becomes, uh, you know, I guess you would say a rumor or an opinion becomes so popular that it becomes fact in the, in the eyes of a lot of people. And I don't know. I I think that's a, a important thing to remember when we're about like people that think Stan Bowman is dumb. I just don't get that. Like you no, can disagree like, with everything he's done, but or a lot just, of things he's, he's done, he whatever. Just get handed that job. People think that's the case because of his dad, but he's right. there for a reason. It's not like he's a total bonehead. No, I mean, he worked his way up through the Blackhawks organization. He was there, what, like 10 years before he was named GM. He went through the same sort of protocols any GM would go through. He kind of rose to power the same way. And yes, his name is Bowman. And of course, that got him maybe in the door a little bit, right? But at the same time, he knows what he's doing. He's a smart guy. And I think people are so thirsty for like the former player to run things. Mm -hmm. I'd rather have a businessman. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I, I get like you know, Theo Epstein never played uh in the in Major League Baseball. Jed Hoyer didn't play in Major League Baseball, Rick Hahn didn't play Major League Baseball, but they're smart dudes. Right. And I'd rather have a smart guy than a former athlete anytime. I agree. And also you say his name Bowman, the his la- the last name Bowman might have gotten him looks. That also gives him more looks as the GM. That that causes more scrutiny, I think, as well. Um and I, I just want to say I think that, I give credit to Stan for going out uh, on podcasts and openly listening to uh, openly answering questions, especially when I saw he was hopping on red line with Barstool. I was like, Oh man, what is chief going to say to him? Like, I know I was, I was very interested for that one. I was very surprised to hear that Stan hopped on that podcast, but I thought it went really well. And I, he handled it. He handled it as, as well as I thought he could have. Yeah. And I know that's out of his comfort zone, right? That's not mm-hmm. typically the sort of thing Stan likes to do. But I think he realized, of course, it was a gauntlet. He had to go on so many podcasts, and that was yeah. that was tough. But probably, I, I, and maybe someday I'll have the chance to ask him again. I wonder if he is glad he did that now. Yeah, because I, I think I, it also curious. allows him to, like, indirectly, not explain himself, but vent. Like you know, you all thought <laughs> I was stupid, <laughs> but here's what I was thinking, right? Like I'm not an idiot, and he didn't I promise, say that. Believe me, <laughs> right? And he couldn't have been more professional about it. But there's just so, like, like I said before, there's so much we don't know. There's so much we assume, and uh, again, that's just another reason why transparency is a good thing. Because okay, I might not agree with it. I might not think that this is the right move. Maybe I would have done something different. But at least I see that there's some sort of plan. And that's, to me, that's half the battle, right? Because you're not going to trade Taves. You're not going to trade Kane. It's not no. possible. No team's going to take on $10.5 million unless, and this is what I said to Bowman, like, is it possible to trade that deal? He said, well, yeah, but you're going to have to take back close to the same salary right. in the trade. And at that point, you're probably just better off keeping the stars. Right? Exactly. Instead of three guys who are, you know, Pro- sort of middle, middle of the road guys with high exactly. salaries, you'd rather have the studs. So anyway, I, I don't know. I, I think... I'm on board for what they're doing. I would rather see some sort of proven goalie in there, but uh, we'll see. Hey, maybe he, that's one thing Bowman knows is goaltending. He's always done a pretty solid job, maybe not drafting, but identifying goalie talent mm-hmm. with Darling and with, with Ranta and with Niemi. And that, I think Niemi was more talent, but he was there too. They've had a bit of a knack for finding diamond and rough goaltenders. So we'll see how it goes next year. They got three options. 
Alright, ladies and gentlemen, part two of this conversation with 670 The Score's Jay Zawoski will continue tomorrow, but that will wrap up Monday, November 23rd's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to subscribe and to follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out every day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Locked On NHL podcast for all the latest news from all 31 teams from around the league. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. As always, I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or my Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the podcast, you can always email LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com, hit me on one of my two Twitter accounts, or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thank you again for listening to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.